It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red for the latest of our summer specials ahead of the start of the Premier League season where we catch up with Reds fans and former players uh, and see what they're up to today. So I'd like to be joined by uh, one of the most popular Forest midfielders of recent years, Lewis McGugan. Lewis, how are you? No, fine, thank you. I suppose we should start from the, the beginning with you and uh, in your career. How did you end up at Forest? Because you were born in Long Eaton, I think. Was there ever a chance you ended up in Derby or was it always Forest for you? Yeah, it was always at that time. Uh, I had kind of one season uh, in the YEL, uh, the local Nottingham League and with with Pegasus. And then kind of after that first year, uh, it was a case of trying to... Well, at the end of the season, funny enough, we we was one of we either won the league or we just got picked to the end then the other two teams was Bullwell and Carlton Town and at the end of that season there's kind of like five players from Carlton Town and kind of three from Bullwell went and signed for Forest but no one from Pegasus so it was a bit of a like a it was a bit of a strange thing so eventually I ended up getting getting to getting there and getting a trial and uh yeah that was it it was a didn't look back really are you a Forest fan as a kid? Uh, I wouldn't say I was a I was an out and out Forest fan. Obviously, local. Uh, it was more kind of probably Forest than Derby, definitely. Uh, but at that time, it was Nottingham Forest Academy was was really renowned as as one of the best in the country uh, at that time. If you look at, at Derby, they'd not really started. Uh, they didn't really have that history and that name of the of the academy that Nottingham Forest had at that time. So I think. In that, in in the area that we was, it was always kind of if you was a youngster, it was kind of always not in the forest over over Derby, really. Who was running the academy when you were coming through? Then was it Nick Marshall or was it someone else? When I first joined, it was Paul Hart. Hmm. Uh, so Paul Hart was 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 the academy director, and then uh, as the years went, then Nick Marshall took. But but majority of my time, it was Nick Marshall. Yes. Uh, we know Nick quite well. He's come on here a few times. A lovely guy. How did how did you find it in the Forest Academy? Yeah, yeah it was like, it, it was it was one of them things. It was my life, really. Uh, like I said, I joined I joined at eight, and pretty much that was it all the way through. So it was it was one of them things. I didn't really know anything else, and there was loads of ups and there was a few downs along the way. But that's part and parcel of of any any career so no it was what it was uh it shaped me as a person it shaped me as a player so no uh, fun times definitely you made your debut just shy of your, your 18th birthday was that sprung upon you did, did you feel ready for it or not no i i i thought i was i felt i felt ready as you can be you never you never quite are ready and don't know really what to expect in the in playing first team football but I've been in around the first team training and stuff like that. So you kind of get, uh, after after a while, you get comfortable, you start understanding, you start looking at the senior players and what they're doing and how they are. And when you kind of 
get that feeling like okay I'm training now and I feel like I can contribute and handle myself that's that's the step and then obviously the next step then is to try and try and do that uh in a match who was manager when you first mixing with the first team is it Colin Coldwood or is it Megson yeah so it was it was a very 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 strange time really it was kind of that when I just got to the end of kind of under when I was playing youth team football it was the club was kind of going through a bit of that it was league one but we it was kind of struggling a bit and uh towards the time I think it was uh Ian Paul and Frank Barlow they they took charge for kind of towards the end of the season and obviously Gary Megson come in and when Gary Megson come in it was a completely different place and I was in the reserves at that time a lot of kind of uh older of the youth team it was kind of reserves it was actually reserve team it was like kind of the mix what the first team plays that wasn't in Gary Megson's plans and then kind of the youth team players were probably the older youth team players and then the kind of youth team players were probably outgrown youth team football so that pre-season was was a very eventful pre-season and one that 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 stays in the memory that's for sure because it was like I said you you was mixing daily with with first team players yeah, I imagine that that uh, sort of exile squad was probably better than the first team in a few cases. <laughs> yeah, you had like, like, I mean, we, what was it like under Megson then? It, was it? I, I think who's been on? Nathan Tice has been on. He made it, it sounded like a, a tough environment. Was it a tough environment coming through or not? Yeah, it, it, it was. It was that thing of it was really from from my point of view and from the kind of youngster point of view. It was that we was in the change room with a lot of the first team players that have been kind of told to leave or told that it wasn't in the plan. So you kind of sit there and as a youngster, you don't really say much, but you take as much in. And obviously you had the likes of Marlon King, Gareth Taylor, Neil Harris, uh, Kevin James, Adam Nowland. There was a real, and then you kind of like understand, you don't understand their position. Obviously later on in your career, you understand where they, where they are and what they're doing. So it was, it was, it, it was a bit tough because you kind of had to concentrate on your own thing of trying to forge a career, but you also had first-team players in and around that obviously was going through a tough time in the football club. So it was it was really hard to try uh, and bring them together. Uh, and we had Ian McParland as kind of the reserve team manager at the time. And it was, it, it was really tough for him at times because obviously he had the stress of the first-team players that was trying to sometimes leave the club or been told that it wasn't in the plans. But he was also trying to create a good example for the likes of uh, the youth team players kind of coming through. So it was a, it was a tough pre-season for everyone, really. Well, how was it when, when Coleswood came in then? Because you, you, you kind of broke through under him as a first-team regular. Was he, was he a breath of fresh air for, for the whole club? Yeah, I think at the time it was it was that, that Gary Megson, like we didn't, really on a personal that didn't really have a lot to do with Gary Megson even being in the reserves it was you never had that kind of feeling that you was ever going to make that transition that was never going to be never going to be the case and uh, so you didn't really have anything to do with the first team at that point uh, then Colin came in and initially a few of the youth team players went to, went away with the first team I didn't go but I was still quite young in a sense of even though I played youth team football, I, I started playing kind of, I played for the 
at the time when I first come in, it was it was still under 17s and under 19s. Uh, and I was playing on the 17s at 13, 14. Mm. So by the time then I was went to captain the, and then it changed to under 18s and I captained the under 18s at 15. So it was, even though I felt like I've been in the youth team for a long time, still my age wise, I wasn't really that old. So when Colin comes in and looks at the kind of she, the lads who are kind of pushing 18, 19, they was kind of first there to, that's the next step. So I was kind of wasn't really involved at first uh, in the preseason tours and stuff like that. And then, yeah, then eventually you just get a little a little snip where you can go and train with the first team for a day and make up the numbers. Then that becomes two days, and that becomes quite frequent. And then before you know it, you're training with them on a on a regular basis. So yeah, that was that was kind of how it happened. And then you're just training on a regular basis still playing youth team football and, and reserves and you're just hoping waiting for an opportunity what's it like being like you say you were playing under 18s at 15 or or whatever you're still at school at that point what's it like trying to keep your feet on the ground because you've probably got mates in your ear saying oh you're going to be a big player here what what's it like uh, mentally yeah. trying try not to get carried away well i actually left school they took me out of school so i left school uh so I did uh, my so my kind of year ten. I was only doing kind of two three days a week at school. So I do half. So I kind of do some. I go to school for Monday and Tuesday, and then I go to the digs kind of Tuesday night, and I like go all the way through to the weekend mm. and still do education there. And then literally my last year, year eleven, I come out completely, and I just went kind of full time. So I was. I was in that environment already. So it wasn't as if I had the kind of, I was doing that, but also going to school. I was I was kind of out that environment. So my kind of friends back home, it just become a kind of different different life really, because I was I was away, I was kind of in this bubble and they was kind of still getting on with with that thing. So they didn't really kind of mix. So really it was it was it was kind of easier because I didn't really have them distractions, if that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. would you still if you could wind the clock back now would you want to have done you know more schooling or do you think it was the best approach for you with hindsight uh, I think I was ready in terms of footballing I needed to have that full-time training every day with a youth team even I was at a young age but I, I I think I needed that and that was their club's thinking I needed that kind of different training the three times a week wasn't enough it wasn't getting me to that next I was I was ready for that level and 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 you sometimes think to yourself that you have that point where yeah I miss certain stuff of of a normal kind of young teenager growing up and you look back and you know little things like the the school prom and stuff like that all kind of stuff like that you don't that just never happened for me I didn't I was never around for stuff like that so stuff like that you you miss but listen I I'm I've got to be very thankful of 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 the kind of the career that that I've had and, and and the start I've had. So it could have gone many different ways. So hindsight's a wonderful thing, but but yeah, I'm 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 happy with with how it went. Your first full season as a regular is in League One. I think it's the season you you lose to Yeovil in the playoffs. Was it beneficial to you personally coming through in League One? Do you think rather than the Championship, was it helpful to play at that slightly lower level as a young player? Well, it's 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 funny enough because 
I think I came, like I said, I was in and around the first team a lot, but I never really got a couple times on the bench. But mostly if I played or on the bench, it was in the uh, JPT trophy and stuff like that. So it wasn't. And then I kind of got into the uh, league squad, which was then that next that next challenge. And I can still remember it now. And that's why I always say to a lot of people that a lot of football, your career is a lot of it's down to luck. A lot of people don't realise that a luck has so much involvement in how a career kind of pans out. And it was, I was on the bench and unlucky for, it was, it was Sammy Klingen. Sammy Klingen, uh, I think he broke his ankle in like the first half of like game uh, at home. And so I was on the bench kind of like just happy to be there. And before I know it, I'm in in the first team, I'm, I'm on the pitch. And that kind of, I didn't really think of it beforehand. I, I was just kind of chucked in there. And then I just, a lot of people say, you either sink or swim. And I, and I, and I didn't sink. And then I ended up playing kind of from January all the way to the end of the season, pretty much every game. So before I had a chance to know about it, I was coming back into pre-season the following year, already having kind of like 20 plus games under my belt. So I'm now looked at and also looking at is a different thing where probably if that hadn't have happened, I'd probably still coming back the following pre-season, might have played a few games, but also trying to still make my mark. So yeah, it's it's different paths and, and different avenues way into the team and, and, and kind of that was mine. Yeah, I mean, in fact, that time there was players like um, James Biggins, James Beaumont, Ross Gardner. I mean, were they just, you know, I think you were around that same age. Were there players like that who didn't make it and didn't have the career that you thought or might have done? Yeah, they was a lot older than me, like uh, Bo and, and Ross Gardner, because that was like, I can still remember I was in the youth team and I was like kind of pushing. And then you, it was, there was a big thing when Ross and Bo signed, because it was like two players from Newcastle. It was like... And I was thinking, well, I'm a centre midfielder. Like, well, we've just brought in two centre midfielders from Newcastle, from a big club mm. like Newcastle. Like they, so you kind of look and think, right, where's my path? And and they was a lot older than me, and they was around. So you just had to bide your time. And I ended up playing in the reserves a lot with a lot with Bo. Uh, to be fair, uh, a lot of the times, and he was he was fantastic. He was such a such a nice, nice human being and nice role model to be around all the young lads when they come into reserves because he was still playing reserves, but he was quite old at the time. But the way he kind of brought young lads into the squad and the way he was with them, it was it was it was first class and stuff like that always always stay with you. We should talk about a couple of specific games in League One. I guess they're both Yeovil really. Did you play in the playoff games against Yeovil that you lost? What was yeah, that like? I mean David Pratton's yeah. on this show all the time. I can't, you know, I have to mention him getting sent off every single week, but it must have been an yeah. awful experience for you. To to be to be fair, it was one of them where I was because I, like I said, I just got kind of chucked into it. I wasn't expecting to be that involved hmm. in such a big because that's what a lot of people say. Yeah, Forest in League One, but it was actually harder because. If we was kind of nil-nil at half time at home, we was probably getting booed off m- most weeks, and that was just the that was just the pressure that he was under. He was playing in front of that that many people. Every kind of team in League One, when they came to the City Ground, it was a cup final. It was a big, big occasion. So, I think it also was brilliant ground in the way of learning because I had to deal with pressure straight away. I had no choice because 
that's what playing for Nottingham Forest is. Uh, and some people, as you've seen over years before me and after me, it's not easy. Some people just can't do it. And so being involved in that kind of playoff run and going to Yeovil, I can remember you're coming back from Yeovil and you're thinking, pretty much job's nearly done. You know what I mean? That You couldn't have asked for a better first leg and how things went about it. And then you get, I can remember obviously they, they started well, Davo scored uh, and they, and like I said, they started well. And then we just scored just after half time and it kind of just put that little bit of a, uh, it was my corner actually and Dobes scored a header and that kind of just put a little breathing space in. And you kind of think, I pretty much came off about 10 minutes after that. And even you're kind of thinking there, even on the bench, like, yeah, you can't you can't see it changing now, and pretty much you're thinking you're going to Wembley. So, and then it just all all unravelled. Uh, and at that time, because I was so young and kind of naive to the situation, I didn't really, even after the game, you don't quite understand the context of what's just happened. And I think that was a good thing. It was actually a good thing for me. The old senior boys obviously understand and when you get like they probably think it's probably might have been their last chance and to to get promoted and stuff like that but as as me kind of naive to the situation is still fresh it was like well yeah that's not good and we didn't want it to happen but right just kind of wait for next season and that's kind of that my that attitude i had at that time because i was i was so new to it mm. and then a year later obviously you play oval again and the deck was stacked against you more. You need everything to go for you, and it did. And you score in that game. Julian Bennett probably gets a red card in some games these days with that tackle and scores, or at least a yellow. I mean, that must have been a brilliant, a brilliant day. It was the polar opposite of a year before, I guess. Yeah, and like I said, that the the following year, I'm now, like I said, I've come back. I'm now. I feel like I'm an integral part. I feel like I'm a real kind of main person in the squad. Uh, so you look at it completely different. You're more involved. You're, you're wiser. You understand it more, the severity of things. And it was actually, funny enough, I I actually scored the week before against Hartlepool away, which kind of kept it into the last game. And that was, the Yeovil goal was brilliant and a fantastic day. But that Hartlepool goal, that was the biggest one for me in that because that's what kept it alive. That's what kept us to, to take it to the last day. And like you said, everything kind of went went our way. And sometimes you need that bit of luck. But for an for an occasion, uh, being quite so young and getting promotion, uh, and I think it was like that needed at the time. It was a pressure that we was under. We needed to go up, really. Uh, but yeah, the day itself was just yeah, it was it was it was fantastic, really. Uh, you start the championship under Colin Caldwell, and then he's gone. I think it was Boxing Day, uh, something like that. And, and Billy comes in. What was it like playing under Billy? Because he was, everyone speaks to him, they love him, the players, but he was very meticulous, very organised. He yeah. left you out one place. He said you were unfit. What was it like? Yeah. It was a strange, it was a strange start. Like I said, we got to the championship and we had a really, still, we had a really young squad. Obviously, the likes of me, Perchy, Kelv, Chamber, Wes, and even though it was all good and local and, a really good close bond in that change room was still so young and inexperienced in uh, at championship level. So it was going into there. I actually had a really, really, but I actually pulled 
I actually tore a, a muscle in my thigh in pre-season. Mm. And it was one of them where I didn't quite know. Uh, I didn't quite know what it was. I thought it was a dead leg and it lingered all the way through pieces. I can remember we had Reading on the first game of the season. I hadn't trained for like three weeks. I hadn't touched the ball. It was like, and I literally had to uh, painkillers and everything just to get through to the Reading game. But it was like one of them. You didn't want to miss it. It was the first time back in the championship. It was on Sky. It was like a big game. So you actually played that game and then... Uh, there was like there's always a cup game kind of the following week in the week and I missed that and then we played the Swansea the week after and I I couldn't move I literally Mm. couldn't move I knew something was wrong and after that point I went for the test that I needed and and I I tore the muscle straight off my thigh bone so I was out for quite a a long period so when the stuff happened with Colin and Colin I, I wasn't involved I wasn't playing so kind of when I come back in uh, obviously then it was uh, we were playing and then kind of that was the Billy era that, that then then followed so yeah it was uh, in terms of Billy it was very much uh, the likes of Mark Arthur when he when he addressed the squad and told us that Billy was coming we knew it was going to be completely opposite to Colin uh, mm-hmm. obviously he was coming off the back of a bit of championship experience and getting to playoffs. So we knew it was going to be completely different. And it was. It, it, it was completely different. It was a different way of working. And, uh, yeah, so you just have to kind of evolve with it and try and, and try and get stuck in as, uh, as much as possible, really. Did you get on with him? Because he was critical of you and he left you out at one point questioning your fitness. Yeah. But then you had great years, Andre, and there's a season yeah. where he scored 13 yeah. goals. You almost get to the Premier League. Was it a bit yeah. chalk and cheese with him? Uh, I, I, I think, I think, I think Billy was, it was, I think it, we, we always had that relationship that we, it was very, how can I put it? It was always, I think I, I had to get used to his way of working mm-hmm. and I should have done that quicker. But then also like, I think we, we, we could have met in the middle a bit more early stages, uh, I think at that time and the stuff like when he was very critical of me in the paper and stuff like that and and when you look at it but at that time it was like I was I always say like I was 20 years old like I was 90 I was 20 like I didn't know back then as now sports scientists and this and that the amount of stuff that you have in a football club that wasn't the case then mm. you had like things but it was like I needed I needed probably at that stage I needed more help I needed to understand my body a little bit more. Uh, I didn't think that helped. Uh, I, I did. I didn't think that saying that didn't help. But like I said, he he has to do what he he felt he needed to do. Uh, but like I said, you you learn from it, and and over the years you start to understand more, and you start to get you started to get uh, an understanding of your body. You grow up. You more more input from people. In their, that's their profession, that's their specialist, and you have that help, and and that's something what just evolves with your career and, and and the experience you have. So, but in terms of in terms of me and Billy, we, like I said, I I probably probably in Forest, I had my best years under him, uh, and it was always a case of really, I was always have to, I was thinking I had to kind of prove him wrong. Maybe that's what fired me up. Maybe that's what was different. Like I had to always prove him wrong. I was always, and he was always on at me like the rest of the squad and that's the way he worked he was he was full tilt 
it, it was it was constant and but the one thing I always say he created an environment and a change room that probably I've never been in since that it was kind of us against the world and we were so close in that group that environment that change rooms and if you looked at what we achieved in then times it was like really the whole times it was like a given to be in the playoffs that was just even in terms of the teams around as you look at the Newcastle and the money they were spending and West Brom and stuff like that but we'd go toe-to-toe with him and and the squad wasn't that much different from uh, the kind of start the league one in the, in the early championship days uh, barring a few obviously the likes of uh, Paul McKenna and just a bit of experience Delia Adebola and stuff just a bit of experience in the squad but the stuff that we achieved yes we didn't quite get that last hurdle but the stuff that we achieved in that thing that was probably that was down to him and his man management and and the, and the environment he created. Was that first season where you lost to Blackpool? Was that did that feel like the one when you were at Forest? I know you had a personal better season, but you beat Newcastle at home that season. I think you went at West Brom and Raddy scored that brilliant volley, and then you probably should have beaten Blackpool. Did that does that one still sting even now? Yeah, I think I, I I always I always I think I think everyone I think fans feel it as well, but players especially feel it. And it was I've had this conversation numerous times over the last kind of uh, six months, kind of plus obviously with with the with the current season how it ended. Sometimes you have you have your chance. Things go for you. Things look 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 well in the sense of how you do, and you have a chance of 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 doing stuff. And sometimes you, if you miss that opportunity, don't really come back around again. And I think that was, especially that year, that was our chance. But we had that point where we was up there with Newcastle and West Brom in the in the January and we didn't really strengthen and whatever that was with Billy and the owners at the time, what, what, but we didn't really strengthen. The likes of Newcastle and West Brom went and brought in four or five and, and they come the end of it. That was the, That was the difference in terms of automatic mm. and then you play in the playoffs and you always have that team that come from nowhere full of confidence uh kind of with a free hit and I think that's what Blackpool was at that time I think it was playing very expansive football and yeah and I just think that over the two legs I just think that they probably picked us in the end really if you look at the next season that's the most successful one for you personally you know you get 13 goals in 2010 2011 you score that free kick against Ipswich, which I'm sure every time you meet a Forest fan, they ask you about it. Was that where you felt at the peak of your powers as a player? Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I think I think you have that you have that understanding of you doing stuff and you and you and you're working, and you think to yourself, right, this is a season. Stuff's going for me. Everything I kind of hit at majority of the time went in, and on a personal note, that was that was a really standout season for me uh, with the goals and, and the assist and the contribution throughout the whole season uh, kind of what it did and, and and how I could contribute and yeah it was probably probably my best season at Nottingham Forest definitely Tell us about the Ipswich goal I mean I bet you don't do an interview where you don't get asked about it but it's one that's going to be still replayed in 30 or 40 years that free kick what went through your mind yeah. when you stood over the ball? Yeah it's I always the story is quite strange, really, because I always say it was me and Chrissy Cohen standing over it, and it was just before half time, and and I just thought to myself, shall I play it short? And I just thought, right, let me try and hit it. I, just, I always thought, just get on target, 
see if the keeper parries it. Maybe we might get a uh, maybe we might get a kind of tapping or something. But that was it. Just just get it on target. And I always remember I said I'm going to hit it to Christy. I said I'm going to hit it. And he always said, to me, "Listen, if this goes in, I'm going home." Like that's what yeah, I can remember. That's what he said to me. If this goes in, and I hit it, and I knew I hit it well, but yeah, as soon as it kind of left my foot, and it just had that, just had that dip at the last minute. But yeah, it's one of them what always, always stands out. Definitely. Can you still see it in your mind's eye now? The flight of the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like I said. I think it helps, and uh, it's like a, a you know, what I mean, when I'm training the lads at Loughborough, and they sometimes bring it up, and it's like. The, the angle from the back, I think that does it real justice that you can see the actual movement of the ball and what um the and kind of the action it has on it. So listen, it's one of them one of them goals that will always kind of stay in people's mind. And I'm just very very thankful to be a part of that. Really, you scored these great goals for Forest. I wonder was there ever a point where it was not a hindrance to your game? But Sean O'Driscoll was on here and he said he felt you shot too much. Uh, from distance when you could have played it shorter and he thought that um, slowed you down as a player a bit. Is is he right there or not, do you think? Uh, I think that's his opinion. That may be his opinion at that time. Uh, I think it's very, I think it's very different when you have kind of, when you're going off the back of a season like I had mm. and I scored the goals that I scored and I scored, I didn't think any of them was very, I didn't think any of my goals was where there was only one. I always there was one at Coventry away, and I can remember uh, Conches, Paul Koncheski, Contras playing. I was playing kind of off the, off the left side. Contras playing behind me, and he did an overlap, and I come inside and and I shot from like I think it was like thirty five, maybe for and I, and I shouldn't have shot. Like it was it was just the, when you see it and. Looking off the keepers, like made a fumble and it's gone in. But I was very fortunate that it went in. Con said to me, "Listen, if that not had gone in, I'd be I'd be coming for you." And that was the only one where I think to myself, "Well, maybe looking at it, I could have I could have passed it." But the rest, there was never really that. I thought that I shot I shot from kind of angles that that I didn't need to. I always thought when I had a shot, I always generally thought that I could score. What was it like playing under Sean and Steve Cotterall? Are you going through a few managers now after Billy goes for the first time? What were they like? Yes, uh, Steve, when Steve came in, Steve was, uh, I, I, like I said, really got on with him. Uh, really got on with him. Very different character. No, nothing like a manager, completely, again, different to Billy. But he's a very, very different character. Uh, very kind of more wants to be around the team a bit more, more wants to kind of be in, seeing what's going on in around the change rooms. Quite a very uh, Jovi character. But like I said, he he come in at a tough time, really. A tough time. A lot was going off in the club in the, in the, in the, in the kind of background. Uh, and he had a, there was a big transition period and, and he kind of got the brunt of that. And it was, he was trying to keep everything at bay on kind of on the field, but there was so much stuff going off off the field. It kind of spilled into that, and it was just a it was just a tough time for everyone, really. What about um, Sean came in? <coughs> he finally got the job after you know Fawaz had been knocked back by other people. It's, speaking to Sean, it, it sounded like a mad time. You had like Kuwaiti players turning up for training suddenly, and players coming in on ridiculous contracts what was it like being around the club at that time for you as a homegrown talent 
yeah, it was like, like and that's what I just said. It was, it was just a mad time. And that's where, if I'm perfectly honest, at that point, I thought to myself, do you know what? Maybe my time's coming to an end. Maybe I need a fresh start. And it wasn't because of the football club. It wasn't because of the thing, because this is all I knew. I love the club. I love playing for Nottingham Forest. But it just seemed to be going a real funny direction. Do you know what I mean? And everything, I think that you had players kind of pre that time, pre kind of when kind of the new ownership come. Before that time, Nottingham Forest, especially any players you play for it all around, it was always renowned as such a tight-knit football club, tight-knit people, people who've been there for such a long time, the people in the background, the people who work in the office, people in the laundry. It was just such a good, close-knit environment. And that was going, that was, it was, it was just losing its, it was just losing its, what it was about. And that was that thing. It's like, I don't want to leave Nottingham Forest, but really right this point in time, is this really the Nottingham Forest that I knew? And it, and it, and it wasn't. Mm. And then McLeish comes and goes. McLaren, I think McLaren's next. It's so hard to remember the time off the top of your head. Well, I'm sure I remember him coming in and telling Radio Nottingham he was going to build the team around you as like the focal yeah, point he, playing yeah. off the striker. Um, or Cottrell. Ah, okay. So, and he coming on a pre-season, so uh, it was, it was a, loads of people asked me about the Steve McLaren bit because it's like, it was just a weird kind of spell and nothing, if, if I'm, if I, if I, if I'm totally honest, I think Steve was, and so I think he's a fantastic coach. You always hear so many people talk about his fantastic ideas, fantastic coach. I think he, I think beforehand he'd been in Germany and Holland and he'd done a lot over there. I don't think he did enough homework coming back to the championship. I don't think he did enough homework about what, what it kind of the players and the players that could strengthen the team. And I don't think he was quite ready in terms of he'd been abroad, he'd kind of had that. And what he was trying to implement was, you could tell, was going to be really successful. But he was one, was he going to get the time to do that? And was it the right time? And I just don't think it, it, it all kind of knitted together. But if you look then when he went to Derby and what he achieved at Derby, and that thing, that's what he was trying to do at Forest. The way they played, that's what he was trying to do. But it was like, did he have the players? Did he have the right players? Did he have the time to do it? Did he have the understanding of the league? And I don't quite think he did. And I think if if what happened at Forest for him helped him even more going to Derby, if that made sense, I think it made him real evaluate, okay, what do I need to do here. And I think that helped him actually then what he kind of produced at Derby. So it was just a, it was just a like a strange time with uh with that, but the, mine and his relationship was was brilliant. It was really good. Uh, he come in and we had good conversations and good ideas. And like I said, it was a, it was a bit of a shame that it never quite got to go that way, really. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was quite quite brief. You left Forest after Billy's uh, Billy's return, and it's for the people in the press. It was a, a different Billy. I don't know what he was like to to play for. Were you ever tempted not to go to Watford or do you think it was the right move well, at the right time? Well, this is, this is, well, it's actually funny enough. When we're talking about Billy and we're talking about him, obviously, the stuff in the paper about it. When he came back the second time, 
in the first couple of days, he actually pulled me in the office and he said to me, you've lost too much weight. <laughs> so that is, that's what I'm trying, that is just like, that is what I mean. He says, you've lost too much weight. You're not the same player. You're not that, you haven't got that kind of bulkiness, that power. So it's mm. like, for me, I'm thinking, right, right. Well, you kind of did what you did two, three years ago publicly. And mm. now I'm too... I'm 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 too light. Do you know what I mean? It's like well, but and that's what it comes back to the point of that. Then I got older, got more got more help. Then you find your body, you understand your body more. You you understand what you can do, and that's what I mean. So I got to that stage when he came back the second time. There was still a few of us in the squad that obviously had him the previous time. So it was like it was a very uh, new. When he come back in, I think it was me, Chrissy Cohen, just thinking. Chambers, maybe? No, Chamber were gone. Yeah. Chamber were gone. Uh, Raddy, possibly. Mm. But it wasn't, it was maybe five or six tops. Uh, so, and then the rest was kind of new, who wasn't aware and didn't know how I worked. So, and we knew, like we said to her, lads, listen, you'll love it. You'll, you'll love the environment that you'll create and you'll love it. But like you said, I don't think, I think to us, I think he was just normal Billy. But I think to the outside and stuff, I just think he wasn't, I think he had too many kind of stuff that he thought went, what happened the first time. And I think that was his mate, that was kind of dragging away from the actual main thing. And I, And I still say that at that time he came back, I think, if he'd have looked at it again, he'd come back, the club was in a, in a bad way, the fans loved him and adored him. At that time, Fawaz obviously realised that he had this kind of big following in, in, in terms of the fans. And I think at that time he'd come back, he really had everything kind of on a plate, if that made sense. He had, he had, all, he had an owner that was prepared really would to back him. And I just think he couldn't really kind of just come and go right let me try and concentrate on the team and go again I think he had I think he was thinking about kind of other things maybe what have happened previous with in, in the regime since he's left if any people have said certain stuff and I just I think that just kind of took him away from actual actual the main job really but my like I said he come back and at that time my contract was up in that summer I I, I wanted to stay he wanted me to stay but like I said, there was that many things going off in the background. Nobody kind of knew where they stood. And this is a real, it's always, and I say it, and I kept it quiet for a long time. And a lot of Forest fans had that kind of opinion, like, oh, he just left and blah, blah. And it was, I had no choice in the end. I actually left the season uh, with Billy saying, listen, yeah, we can do something, etc. Don't kind of look at anything. I had I had offers, but it was like, well, listen, if I can stay at Forest, I want to stay at Forest. And again, I'm now older. I'm now more a senior kind of person in the squad. I've worked under Billy before. I'm now a different character. I'm now more mature. I'm now, which we had that discussion. He sees he see me as like a, a different person in the team now. So obviously it was it was where I was comfortable, where I was based, and nothing kind of happened. And then I had uh, I was actually 
we just got knocked out of the playoffs on the last day. Uh, I think we played Leicester, lost to Leicester, mm. and we could have. So we was, thought we was in the playoffs. We were knocked out without a time. Chamber had obviously gone to Ipswich. So Chamber had already gone on holiday, already planned to go on holiday. So it was that point where uh, our season just ended kind of out of nowhere. So I joined, me and Chamber went to, end up going to New York. And actually, I can remember actually coming out one night, I got a phone call from the Forest uh, Secretary. She's saying that Billy wanted to see me and my agent at the time. I said, well, I'm in New York for the next couple of days, but when I'm back, we'll go and uh, see. So come back and we went to the training ground to meet Billy, had a conversation with Billy saying all the things like I've said, listen, I want you to be here. I want you to be a part and stuff like that. We'll, uh, we'll make an offer in the next 24, 48 hours. And then we'll see from there. And still to this day, I've never heard from Nottingham Forest Football Club again. And that's what no one sees. So at yeah. that point, it was that Watford. I had no intentions of leaving. I, I said this, I want to stay. At that point, then now I'm like, wow, I've kind of banked on staying at Forest. Mm. Turned down a few already. Now I'm thinking, I'm out of contract. Mm. Where do I go? Do you know what I mean? And that by that point, it was kind of coming back to pre-season. Uh, and you start getting kind of, you start to panic. I remember uh, Chambo and McGoal did, it was at Ipswich at the time and they was ringing me. They was already on pre-season. I'm still at home. I'm yeah. thinking, do you know what I mean? And that's the thing what really hurts me because I feel like the way I left the club was nothing to do with me. The way it kind of ended was not the way I wanted it to end. And it was no one really knew no knew that they just thought that I'd like kind of turned down a deal that I wasn't going to stay because of Billy and I'd just like gone to Watford and it was like no that was like that was like the total opposite but I had mm. no choice so yeah it was uh, for for how long I've been there for everything what has happened it was a sad way for it to to end definitely. Do you think the club ever did they lowball the local players? You think I think I've heard Calvin Wilson say he thought. Yeah. That yeah. If you weren't a glamorous big name, they gave you a lower offer or no offer at all. Yeah, hundred percent. But that's not just not in your forest. That's that's football. When you come mm. through, the, when you come through uh, the academies, you have the the people above. They know you have a, a, a kind of affiliation or love for the club. You and and. It's not nice, but they play on that. Do you know what I mean? They play on the fact that you're local, you're comfortable, it's where you're from. And that's, yeah, it's it just happens. That's just football. It's, is it right? No, but it will always happen. It will always happen. Uh, and you get people coming in from outside that will, will, will get stuff that they probably don't deserve. Uh, and I think that's why, and I think if you look at Forrest, and you look at the players, especially in my area, that we lost. Well, if you look at, and that's the thing, I went on a free. Wes pretty much went for nothing. Mm. Kelv went on a free. Chamber went on a free. It, 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 there's the proof in the pudding. Do you know what I mean? It, it, there it is. Uh, you kind of, that's what happens. You don't, you don't tr look after people or try and take advantage of the situation. Sometimes it will come back to, it will come back to bite you. What was it like playing for uh, Zola at Watford? I mean, 
uh, not the move you wanted to make necessarily by saying but, but to play for someone with his track record must have been pretty cool yeah it was uh it was it was very much it was very much it was a tough period for me like i said the forest situation i wasn't expecting it hmm. and i kind of said no to others early on in the in the kind of in the in the summer because i'm going to stay here and then kind of that then happened and it's kind of right right now we're kind of like looking and seeing what's now because we're two three weeks into pre-season so it's like people have already made their move so it was a case of there was this discussion with Ipswich obviously I had Chamber and McGoy, I had good friends there and, and Mick McCarthy who I've always kind of from afar got on with I think he's a great guy really straight down the middle but and it was kind of there's an opportunity to go to Ipswich but there's also an opportunity to go to Watford now I, I took that risk in a sense. I knew Ipswich would be better for me in terms of comfortable and I know people there, but really the way Mick plays is for Mick, but it wasn't really for me. Mm. Uh, it wasn't really my kind of football. He plays kind of just four four two in a sense of his centre midfielders are pretty much kind of just really sit there. Do you know what I mean? They don't, they're not really them kind of... So I've got, I had to make that decision, whereas, yes, it would be the easier decision, but in terms of my career, would it really be the right thing for my football? And and it wasn't. And then there was a chance to Watford. I spoke to I spoke to Gianfranco, and once I spoke to him, and once I speak, the player I was and growing up, he was like, you know, what I mean, incredible. So hmm. just having a phone call and a conversation with him, and a chance to play on the summer like that, and I think to sort of the way I play, the stuff I kind of did did. If I can't learn or take anything from him, then or if I turn down that opportunity to play for someone like him, then I think you'll always regret it. And mm. it was something Watford never really, it, it was never really going to gonna kind of, and it was never really going to end well in the terms of, but I don't regret it because I don't regret the chance of meeting, playing under him, but more so meeting him because he's a fantastic human being, one of the nicest people I've ever come across, do anything for anyone, for, for all he's done in football, he's so humble, uh, always trying to look after his players. And he was just, for that kind of six, six, seven months he was in charge, it was just, it was just a breath of fresh air to just be around someone of, someone of that, of that calibre, really. Mm. <clears throat> Is that one of those kind of sliding doors moments of a, of a career? Because you end up going to Sheffield Wednesday and then, you tell me, you know, you didn't get on with Calvert Hall, or you got injured, and things go against you, and your career takes a totally different trajectory. And it might have been different if Zola, had, you know, you stayed under Zola for a couple of years. Is that fair? Yeah, it's like it's like the thing is when I, the thing with Watford, it was like I went with Zola. Zola left, which was six months in, seven months in, and that was kind of the end, really, because I feel like Gianfranco was so pivotal to their structure because mm. it was a very European-based football club, the way it was ran. And that was completely different to me. So it was getting used to that. It was very, it was technical director. But there was so many, it was so, so different to 90% of the way football clubs were running in this country at that time. But Gianfranco had that he understood a little thing from the chairman, from their kind of, okay, there was Italian and he's, but he'd been in the England so long. He understood the English culture. 
So it was that kind of bridge between the ownership and the players and understood like, yeah, okay, I understand that in Italy, but you can't do that in England. You know what I mean? And once he left, it was just, it was just a bit of a disaster, really. Uh, it was just a bit of a disaster. The, the kind of, uh, the managers, they were just, they brought in and it was just never gonna, it was never gonna work. And, and, I'll always, I'll, I'll always be honest, and it's not a nice thing to say, but when I say to people about Watford, I knew it would never kind of really work. I never, at that time, obviously you had the homegrown players and Watford at the time had a lot of kind of influx from different countries' players, but there was a quota that you had to have homegrown players. And I always say... I feel that I was brought in to fit a criteria more than me as a player. Does that make sense? Like I was, yeah. there wasn't bringing in Lewis McGugan because he does this, he that. There was bringing in Lewis McGugan because he, he ticks a lot of boxes. And that's why I knew, I never settled there. Uh, I never felt like settling there because I knew it was never going to last. And because I always felt like that, I always felt like I was just a, I was fitting a, I was fitting a box. Not, you know, what I mean, and, and and that was that was it, really. What happened at Wednesday then? Because that could have been a fresh start. Did it just not work yeah, out? Yeah, well, yeah, it was at the time where uh, I'd Watford had Watford had kind of gone really. They had an influx of foreign managers. What didn't work, and then luckily enough, I was kind of on the outskirts, kind of not really playing. And then uh, Billy McKinley took over. And it was like a breath of fresh air for everyone, really, around the training ground, including the staff, because it was like with Zola had gone and it's kind of gone into this like really, really kind of foreign culture. And it was just like completely different and no one was enjoying it, really. So Billy McKinley kind of coming in, it was just kind of, you got that bit of normality structure behind it. We played a game. I think we played Brighton at home and it was just that feel-good factor. Right, okay. And he spoke to me, listen, going to get you back in. I know it. And it, I just thought, right, this is... That was a Saturday, Sunday evening, he'd been sacked. <laughs> so it was just like... And then it was like, again, another forum. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like... Yeah. And then at that time, I thought to myself, this is just not for me. Uh, so VC, Jukanovic got the job then. And to be fair, before he came in, I'd already made my mind up. And he said to me, listen, I'm coming in, I'm assessing the squad. And I just said, listen, I just think it's time for me to go. I need to get back enjoying football again. I need to get back playing and I need to get back and kind of Sheffield Wednesday come and it was like, <sighs> did I want to do it? But it was a chance to go back and live in Nottingham and be at home mm. and get back in the thing. And I went and I spoke to Stuart Gray and I, I I spoke to other people. I spoke to Chamber. Chamber had Stuart Gray at, at Northampton. People spoke highly of him. And I went there, I spoke to him, and he he's probably the best manager I've had. All right. In in my hot in my, he's the best manager I've had. In terms of he was at that time, he was everything and more that I needed. I went to Sheffield Wednesday for that loan spell. I probably played the best football that I played in probably four or five years. Mm. I was I was enjoy I got that mojo. I was enjoying my football so much, but it was just like 
it was just a simple simpleness of it. It was like, listen, we have a structure. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. But here's a platform to go and enjoy it, to go play, to go and affect a game. What if I did stuff wrong? He didn't. He knew myself that I held myself in that kind of. I know that he did. He knew that I would know personally that I got it wrong. But if I did things right, he wouldn't then like. Whoa, you like. He, he was just so calm, and it was just such such a good time. And I signed. I wanted to stay there. The football club itself at that time was fantastic. The fans were fantastic. And I thought to myself, this is, yeah, this is me. Like, the new ownership just come in. And it was like, yeah, I could really see myself here. And I kind of banked on signing there. And the deal was kind of agreed. And then Stuart, uh, the deal was kind of agreed. Stuart lost his job. Mm. But I'd already kind of pretty much agreed to go. Yeah. And it was like a three-year deal. Uh, I was just uh, I was just about to have my first child. It was a three-year deal. I was I could live at home. I was close by. Everything was just in place. I had a year left at Watford, which I knew that they didn't want me. So it was like, right, well, if I if I don't do this, I could then go back out there and I could end up anywhere in the country. And it was mm. just, you know what I mean? He'd left and 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 Carlos took over. And I kind of knew, I just had a feeling that this isn't right. But everything was so far down the line, I couldn't kind mm. of turn back. Uh, and I did it. And within the first week, I knew, I knew that it, that it, it probably is not going to, it's probably not going to go well. I saw a tweet the other day that you scored as many goals as Brennan Johnson scored by the age of 20 for Forrest. You had this really good career. So Forrest fans are probably going to wonder, you know, how did you end up playing your last pro game in your 20s? What do you think happened? Was it just scenarios conspired against you? Was it injury, the, the mistakes you made? What would you tell them as how it ended up as it did? Uh, I think that there's so many elements to it. Uh, is this stuff that I could have done better, 100%? Is this stuff that I could have, decisions that I could have made better, 100%? But there's also so much stuff that I had to go through. And 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 my time, my, my time at Sheffield Wednesday, that's what, that's what, that ruined my career. That, mm. that was it. That was the that that was it. That was I I I never the stuff that kind of happened there, which I which which is mad that I can't I still can't talk about. Uh, in a sense of which is for me, and it was just there was such a period that basically that I I was in the wilderness, and I was in such a like and there's nothing I could do, and that period changed my changed my whole career because mm -hmm. there was a gap there was a gap in kind of my career where everyone's thinking well what's happened but you can't really you know what I mean and that and that and that's the hardest thing for me is that when you want to play football uh when you just want to try and get up go to training and and be involved in the squad and be involved in the thing and that can't happen. Uh, 
and like I said, I, I, and I'll be perf I'll be perfectly honest that some of the stuff, some of the stuff, what happened took its toll on me. Meant like I, I I went through such a uh, bad period that I didn't quite realise at the time what it was doing to me mentally. Mm. Did it affect that? Because all through my career, all through growing up, all through football, as you see, so many people talk now. It's a bit different over the last couple of years, but so many people. You show weakness. You show sign of any kind of stuff. There's no place for it in football. It's, there's no. So you're always kind of trying to push that stuff and and create a kind of shield. Uh, and it's and it and it and it's sad for me because it's like that point of you go into you go into a club and you never quite think anything. You never quite think that would happen. Uh, you never quite think that certain things could could have that effect on your career. And once, once, eventually, when I got away from the football club, eventually, I wasn't the same person. I wasn't the same player. Mm. Uh, and this this stuff that of when you when you then start going to other clubs or trying to get other clubs there's that gap where everyone asks this question and it's like well and i don't and i understand that like i understand in the sense well yeah but you haven't played for over a year and it's like people don't know so they automatically just make their own assumptions of what could have been so you're all so you just fight i was just fighting against the I was just fighting against the tide, really. Every every time I went into the place, it was just like people was like, "Yeah, okay, but you haven't played for such a long time." I was like, "I know I haven't played for such a long time. I can't help that. There's nothing I could have done. All I did is kept my word. I reported every day. I, I tried to keep as fit as possible. I tried to be kind of uh, as best professional as possible." I can't help that that's happened in my career. I can't help that. Like, but that's happened. I can't change it now. And you get to the point where you're going to these clubs and you're talking and then they keep just bringing up kind of like that thing of that you haven't played. Well, I can't change that. So it's either, are we going to talk about what's kind of happened in the sense of like what can't be changed or are we going to try and look at right the future and what's going? And I, I just, like I said, I went to... I went to uh, a, a few clubs after that, but you, then you get into that point where you've you've been out of the game so long in the terms of thinking you're going into it, and you go into these clubs, and this is the big thing what kind of a lot of people don't realise on the outside of, of 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 football when you get to that point is that there's so many. That's why when people say to me like, "Do you miss football?" I miss playing football, but the other side of it that I can't stand it, and this is mm. where you get. You go to these clubs, that much politics going off. You go to a club to, they have a look at you, but there's that much going off. It's not a case of you just going in and they have a look at you, you have a look at them and like, listen, we like what we see. Back in the day, like it was, let's try and do a deal. There's that many people involved, that many people looking after themselves. There's so much going on and you just find yourself just basically just a little kind of point in, 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 in the big grand scheme in the big thing and you're mm. just a number do you know what I mean and 
someone and I just I like I said I kept on doing it kept on going to these clubs and I kept on going in there after what I've come back off having to not play for so long I've not kind of traded and I was still at a level where I knew that I could I was affecting their training thing but you when you just think to yourself like is, is it like I know that nothing's going to happen I know that they're not going to sign me yeah. Like I know, you know what I mean? So you just find yourself like there's nothing more I can do. I'm going into these places with my kind of back against the wall anyway. I'm going in there, doing well, showing what I can still do. And it's this still an excuse. I just find myself also driving back. At the time, like I say, I was I was a dad. I'm coming back to my son and I'm I'm I, and that's what I regret because I'm I'm in a world away and I'm thinking about all the stuff that has happened and people have done me wrong and stuff where I, and it's like, I need to be a dad. I need mm. to be here. I need to be here, not just in body, but in mind, you know what I mean? And, and my last thing was I then pretty much said, right, I'm going to give it one last go. And I end up going to Scunthorpe and Perchie was there at the time. And, they had quite a experienced team of uh, a lot of kind of pros who have had good careers, Championship League one, you know what I mean? Good, honest pros. And it was a good change room. And it was for the first time in so long after I got like, do you know what? I really got that thing. And I think, you know what? I can go again. I'm feeling so good. I'm getting fit. I'm getting stronger. I'm affecting training week in, week out, every day. All the players around me are saying, listen, like, this is a no-brainer. Like, you, you, you're you flying. And I could feel I was getting back to, and but you knew it's never going to, like, you knew the people, like, there was never going to, like, there was, you was never in favour. You know what I mean? It was just never going to happen for whatever reason. And you just find yourself. And eventually, they was... Uh, Eventually, I was like, listen, I've been here for a good three months now. And that's when I was going there every day, not getting paid, not getting nothing, going there every day, driving there every day, training, using my own money and stuff like that. And not a problem. And it got to the point after that three months, I was like, listen, is something said to the, the agent at the time, is something going to happen? And he said, like, listen, like, they, they, they just want to like, kind of make sure that you can Obviously, you haven't played for so long, play 90 minutes, or you think that's like fine. There's a game, another, they need you to play 90 minutes in the game. And I played the game, uh, scored, did well, played 90 minutes, and I was in the game. And I was like 15 minutes ago, and I thought to myself, I nearly, it was like, I nearly kind of shed a tear in the game playing. Because I thought, you know what, you're finally going to get a break. You're mm. finally going to get back to playing and getting back in an environment and you're finally going to be able to like wipe all what them people, like what's happened. You can now resurrect it and go and, and then after there was like, mm, yeah, we made, yeah, you did everything, but we haven't really got any more budget. And you just, and, 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 I, and I just, and I, and, and I just, I drove home and I said to myself, I can't keep doing, I can't keep doing this to my, I can't keep doing it to myself. I've got to look after myself now. I've got to look after myself. I've got to look after my my headspace. I'm a dad. I need to set. You know what I mean? I have to. I can't. I can't keep doing this. These people are just playing, and 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 that was pretty much it, really. And people say, obviously, you're young, you're early. Why did you finish? And it, it got to that point. 
that's why I, I miss do I miss football now, now so yeah now and again like just having playing be able to play a game of football and enjoying it but that other side of the game it just wore me down and event, and, I, and I just don't want to be I didn't want to be anywhere near it do you know what I mean and from when I kind of like stopped like that last point I had nothing to do with football for like two three years I think nothing mm. nothing and it's kind of now with obviously the things I'm doing out slowly I've kind of come out of that and now I'm kind of in that in that headspace that I'm now prepared to try and give back and give as much information to people knowledge on the field but also off the field I think that's what a lot of people forget is that all the stuff that people have to deal with off the field and I think I've been equipped to and I've gone through so much that now certain things I can kind of help people and 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 help them kind of go in different directions and deal with things things differently which I wish at that time I had as well so yeah it's it's uh it's not nice did I ever think it was going to end that way no but I think at the, uh, I think at that point it just wore me down that much that I had to I had to I had to start to get away and do it for myself was it almost a relief to be out of it I mean, you were very young, but do you think to have that yeah. moment of acceptance that it was over, was that actually a good thing in a way for you? It was, it was a relief of, you know, the phone calls off agents, the phone calls off club, oh, you can go in there. And it's like, you got to that point, you went, like, you drive, I'm driving into the club and I'm thinking to myself, I know that they're not going to, you know what I mean? I know that there's, I know that there's going to be something that they're going to bring, you know what I mean? You know, before you've even got there, that it's like thing and I just and that's what the relief come the relief come off trying to keep going through that cycle and and and, and the thing is what I've always said if I if I go to if I went to a place and I wasn't good enough I'm the, not a problem not a problem if I went to a place and they thought that I wasn't the right character, not a problem. But I know for a fact that that's none of the cases. And that was the most, that's why I said I had to come, because it, all the the reasons why I couldn't, didn't play and wasn't getting clubs and wasn't signing, it was just all the politics, what was just creeping into football year in, year out, year in. And that is that is what I just couldn't, couldn't deal with. Just couldn't deal with it anymore. Mm. Uh, because... All these people looking out for themselves and just trying to look after each other and trying to play, look after them. At the end of the day, this is what people don't realise, that these players, the human beings, they've got kids, they've got families. It's their lives, you know what I mean? Why these are just playing like, oh, yeah, well, let's just do that. But let's just do that to try and entice someone else to try and make a decision. You just play games with people and, you know what I mean? It's just, It's just not just not right and that's why you see so many people now kind of uh realizing what the after effect and the good thing now is in football that a lot more is being done a lot more is being done about these what these players have to go through what players have to go through players have to deal with uh and there's there's more places to kind of to to go and help and and yeah they they hopefully it keeps going hopefully that they can kind of get a bit more 
help for these players in terms of so when they're in these environments that they're there to play football, they're there to do a job, but also they're there to be kind of looked after properly as you would do in any working environment anywhere else in, you know what I mean, in any industry. Mm-hmm. The football industry is an industry like no other and the stuff that happens in there will happen in no other industry. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. But it is what it is. That's That was that part of my life and, you know what I mean, I had to deal with that and uh, come out on the other side and it's took me a long time. Go through some dark, dark times, but you know what I mean, you come up, you come out on the other side, and hopefully now I can I can try and push on and 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 help help other people really. Yeah, Paul Anderson had a really similar tale of the you know you're trying to find a club and you you don't find one, you have that realization. I mean, like you say, you're you're working at Loughborough now. How are you finding that being back in the game as joint head coach? Yeah, and that's what like in terms of the that's what I said to you before. It's like it's that having that football environment back again. But back when it first started, you know what I mean? You haven't got the politics in it. You know what I mean? You haven't got that side of it. It's just literally, it's still, you've got that honest environment and you've got honest lads who, whatever football kind of pyramid they dropped out or, you know what I mean? They're finding their way and they still want to really try and achieve. And you know what? It's been, for me, it's been a breath of fresh air for me. It's exactly what I needed. Uh, it's a great environment to be in uh, and it's just nice to be able to be in that environment again really be in that changing room I needed it I've been without it for so long but you've also you've still got that kind of just simpleness of it of lads trying their hardest turning up playing as hard as they can for 90 minutes trying to win three points after the game we debrief it and everyone goes about the way and you know what I mean goes back it's just it's just a nice nice environment to to be in you haven't got the games and the and the politics that that higher up is is still there do you not want to play no it's it's that thing so many people have asked me and I, I just think to myself I feel now that's the ladder that I want to go on I want to be a manager I want to be a manager at the highest level that's my aim now uh, and I, you can't. I don't. You can't do both. I don't think you can play and be on the staff. I just don't think it works. And also, it's that thing of my thing is that if I was ever going to play, I'd, I'd want to go and play, but I'd have to go and be as hundred percent as I can. And I just don't feel at this time with all my stuff with my kids, with the other stuff that I'm doing, I can't. I'm not going to go out there and back play again at 50% Lewis McGugan. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not going to do it. So if I can't do it to where I need to be, where I think to myself, okay, I'm at a level where I can do myself justice, then I'm not going to do it. And uh, You know what I mean? I'm just not going to do it. I'd rather just go, you know what? Let me just fully 100% concentrate on the next stage of, 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 of my career and my life. And that is the coaching and the managing side. Who were your biggest influences as a as a coach and a manager? Then you've had so many different experiences. Who, who yeah. have you leaned on to form who you are as a, as a coach? Yeah, like I said, I think, and that's the good thing. I think I've been very, very fortunate in the sense of I've 
played under a lot of managers, but I played under a lot of different cultures as well. Do you know what I mean? I've been at Watford. We had, I think the time I was there, we had six managers the time I was at Watford. So mm. it's, there's, there's so, there's so many little things and that's, and that's the things you, you just try and take snippets. And even at times that then some players do, some players just absorb loads while they're playing and they take stuff. I was never that person really, because I just concentrated fully on playing football. But then as you then go into this kind of new thing, you start looking back and little things stand out and you just take snippets. And that's probably the best way to do it is just to take snippets from each manager you played under. Yeah, well, I really liked how he did that, but I didn't really, I didn't really like how he went about that. But then I thought this manager was perfect at that. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's just mm-hmm. trying to take little snippets of what you fight in your career and what you feel that, uh, can influence influence the lads that 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 you're uh, dealing with, uh, and I think you've just got to be. I was very fortunate to play a, a a good level for a number of years, but that's not a case of then going into uh, a case of say Lubra Dynamo and then saying right, do this, do that, do that, do that, because Lubra Dynamo to Nottingham Forest into the Championship is a completely different thing, but it's so that's where you have to learn and you have to think, right, what can I use at that level? What can still have that same uh, response and same kind of outcome? So you can't go in naive and you can't go in thinking that, right, I was at this level. I was very fortunate to be at that level, but that's got really, that can help me at the level I'm at now, mm. but it can't control it. Do you know what I mean? I can't be stuck in, that level because it's it's not the two completely different things. So I've just got to try and use my knowledge and experience to see things. And if I can, like I always kind of say to the players, it might only be me saying something to one of them of moving. You know what? Instead of like you standing there, why don't you start to move there? It might only be five yards. That there, that's what I mean. It's very simple. It might only be something like that what opens their eyes to something what they've never seen it. it. It doesn't have to be really technical, really in kind of, oh, we're going to do this practice, do this, do this, do this, where it's, it can be very simple work, but effective. So you just got to, the biggest part of my game, my managed aerial style so far is my management. I've played best under the managers who have been the best man managers. Mm. And I think that, in football nowadays, I think them kind of characters in terms of are coming out of the game. Uh, go back to your likes of Mick McCarthy, people like it, it's them old school man managers. You know exactly where you are, Stuart Gray. You know exactly where you are. If you've done wrong, they tell you. If you've done well, they tell you. There's no hidden agendas. There's no games. It's just very simple, and it's how. How can I get the best out of that individual? And that's the way I look at it in terms of what I do now is all my experience that I've had in my career, good and bad. I look at these players now and I think to myself, right, I'm looking at him. Maybe this I can maybe, let me speak to him. Let me find out a bit more about him. Let me find out a bit more about his life away from love, bro. Mm kids and stuff like that. Let me find out what makes him tick because what can make him 
come out his shell and really perform, his teammate is going to be a completely different. And that's what I think the art of managing is, is understanding every single person in that dressing room and that they know that they all people, players have got different ways. Some need shouting at, some need the arm around them, some need constantly talking to, some need left alone. Now, so it's down to you to understand which one of them people are. And that for me is a real is a real interesting thing that I that I really like to to kind of get involved with. Um just before we finish, last couple of minutes. I don't know how across you are for us these days, but would you like to play for Steve Cooper listening to what you say about man management and getting players, everything you hear about him, he, he does that. I mean, would you love to have worked with someone like a Steve Cooper? Yeah, I think like you can only go off what players that work under him speak of him. They speak very highly of him, the way he goes about it, the way he goes about getting the training ground, the way the environment is. And that's the and that's the biggest thing of 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 most any football club really. You find that the most successful ones, the whole the whole environment is really refreshing. That means the training ground, that means the 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 chef, the laundry, you know what I mean? They're all in it together. They're all kind of close-knit. And I feel that he's the job that he's done since he's coming has just been pretty much remarkable, really. And the the run that they've gone on. I you just hope that listen, let's just try and I think the biggest thing is they've gone to the Premier League. Let's just enjoy it. Let's just enjoy being there. And I know people are going to think, yeah, of course we want to win. Of course we don't want to kind of get relegated or anything like that. But listen, it's been that long. It's been it's such a kind of good spell and a good environment in terms of the city, in terms of the environment to be around. Let's just kind of enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Enjoy, enjoy where we are now because kind of the last four or five years have been have been nowhere near it and and not been not been very nice to be around. So let's just go. We've got nothing to lose. Give it a good crack and and, and see where they are come the end of the season. Right. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you very much to everyone who watched along. Hopefully everyone enjoyed that fascinating insight from Lewis. We shall be back. Uh, when will we be back? Uh, next Monday, I think, with another guest. And then it's basically the start of the season. So uh, do join us then. And thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.